Perspectives with Catherine Toon. I am so pumped to have uh, someone I so admire and who I consider a friend, Keith Giles. If you've not dived into his stuff, you just just get your scuba gear on, whatever you need, <laughs> and start diving. But you'll need two tanks because there's a lot in there. So welcome, Keith. It's so great to have you. Oh, Catherine. Thank you. I'm very blessed to be here. Thanks uh, for having this conversation and. Um, it's a great, I don't know, I, I love being able to talk to people that I, I know online. And I also really appreciate the work that you do. And it's really great to be able to sit and talk with you about, uh, this, uh, well, I guess we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. So. We are, man. We, yeah, it right. is, we are ambitious today. So I'm glad you're warmed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're going to be diving in or at least, um, Skimming the surface of a lot of different things, you know, Keith is prolific. He's a prolific writer, and there's not a fluff piece in the midst. And so, uh, well thought out. Uh, and we're going to be talking about all your un-Jesus uh, things, your books, yeah. uh, which are amazing. I, I, I love the... Um, congruence of it and the topics of it. I've been so enjoying diving in. Keith Giles is a former pastor who left the pulpit to follow Jesus. Uh, That's funny right there. (laughs) (laughs) And start a house church where no one takes a salary and 100% of all offerings are given to the poor and community. What a thought. He has been a published writer since 1989. He's the author of a seven-part best-selling Jesus Un book series, which includes Jesus Unbound, I'm going to just do the uns. Oh, I guess I, that's it. Okay. Liberating the word of God from the Bible and Jesus untangled, crucifying our politics to pledge allegiance to the lamb. What a thought. So Keith is the co-host of, I love this, the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, which has featured interviews with Bart Ehrman, John uh, Fugelsong. Did I say that right? Yep. yep. Okay. Sorry, John. Uh, Richard Rohr, Brad Jerzak, Greg Boyd, and many others. Keith, Keith also teaches several online courses, including Square One. I've taken your course from deconstruction to reconstruction and other courses based on his many books. You can follow him online and find him more about his books at keithgiles.com. So welcome. We are going to dive in and talk about your unseries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, uh, and I probably should say, like, I honestly never started off wanting to write a series. That was never my original plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, so I wrote that first book, Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics and Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. That was the first book that I published with a publisher. You know, before that, I had self-published. Um, but I decided uh, I had a meeting with Rafael Palindo, um, who, was, who uh, started choir. And um, I actually went into this meeting with him intending to, to turn him down. Um, on his offer to publish my book. Um, I just thought, you know what? I, so publishing is I get more freedom and blah, blah, blah. I had all my reasons. And uh, we went to lunch together. And by the end of the meeting, he had answered every objection. And I was like, I'd be crazy not to go with choir. So I, nice. I took a chance. Uh, I published my first book with choir, with Jesus Untangled. And oh my gosh, I immediately felt like I should have done that a long, long time ago. 
And it's been a wonderful partnership with choir. And it was actually uh, Raphael Palindo, who's the publisher. Uh, it was his idea to do a series. So when I, nice. when I set out to write the second book, which was going to be about uh, uh, the way of approaching scripture, mm-hmm. not as a flat Bible, but through the, uh, through the lens of Christ, mm-hmm. he was the one that suggested, well, you know, the title of the book, let's try to follow this, you know, kind of Jesus untangled, kind of set the stage. What if, what if the next book about the Bible was Jesus on something? And we had a, the covers kind of matched. And so he's a designer. He's a great, he designs all the covers. So great. Um, so he already had a visual idea of like how to mix things up a little bit to, for the series and all that visually. And anyway, so I just was like, well, okay, that sounds like a fine idea. <laughs> and little did I know that that was like five years ago. And in five years, I wrote and published seven books in a series, again, that I never intended to do. But I'm really, really proud of it. And um, Yeah, for good really, reason. Yeah, really happy with the way it all turned out. So, yeah, it's, they're great. You really, as I said, you really need to uh, to dive in if you haven't. So, why don't we go through each one of the books? You kind of give us some highlights of them and help help yeah. us navigate through your series. Sure, I'll try to do that. And I'll, I'll just say up front, by the way, we'll go through them in the order that I wrote them. Mm-hmm. But if you're reading them and you haven't started reading them yet, um, there is no. It's not sequential, right? So it's not like you have to read part one before you can read part two right. or anything like that. So, you know, you can read them in any order, really kind of just based on your interest and whatever mm-hmm. the topic might be. But, um, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a second. But uh, yeah, the first book was Jesus Untangled. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics, to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. I guess briefly to, to summarize that, it's kind of the, it kind of was uh, inspired by my own kind of personal story of recognizing that I was, I was pretty entangled. My, my Christian faith was pretty entangled with politics to the point where I didn't know where my faith ended and my politics began. Right. I realized, I feel like the Holy Spirit really convicted me on a lot of things about how I was more American than Christian. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I kind of went through my own sort of untangling process uh-huh. first. Right. And after I went through that, I recognized that, hey, I'm not the only person who struggles with this. Like I have a lot of right. family members and friends. Uh, oh, no people kidding. that I see online that, uh, this is a real struggle for a lot of people. It is. And, um, so I wrote the book really as a way to hopefully kind of help some people, um, just really see this mm-hmm. problem that we have in America, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of where our faith and our politics are so entangled this way and hopefully provide a vision of, of a way to kind of like break out of that. And not just a way, but even a why. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like following mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus already is our leader. He already, has a kingdom. Right. Um, and in fact, we've all been called his ambassadors. So mm-hmm. we're not just, we're not just sort of citizens of his kingdom. We're right. active participants in the, in the, uh, in his administration, if you will. Right. And so, um, yeah, so it's really important, I think, to, for us to get that vision. And I think if we can, uh, it'll help us kind of recognize that, um, Jesus has a plan to make the world a better place and it, has a better chance of succeeding than politicians. Cause I, I was in, no kidding. in politics for a long time and they don't seem to solve a lot of problems. Oh my uh, goodness. Really? <laughs> You've noticed me too. I've noticed that. Uh, yes, I <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, well that's, that's so true. And it does, it, you, you do get stuck in a quagmire uh, with yeah. that. It's particularly in America. You know, yeah. and I, I can't speak for other countries, but I think we're particularly in the U.S., uh, particularly yeah. problematic. And we just equate and conflate the two. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so I was really blessed. Also, Greg Boyd, 
wrote the forward to that, I was nice. really blown away. Number nice. one, that he was even willing to do it. Right. Because, uh, I mean, again, at this point, I had not published with a publisher. I was so published and so really no one knew me. Right. Um, and so when I sent the book to Greg and I asked, I think I initially I just asked if he'd be willing to do a like an endorsement quote or something. Right. And um, but kind of with the hope of like, hey, if you have time, a forward would be great. Right. And uh, he just came back and was he, he really loved the book. He was Love personally it. just really, you know, touched by it. And uh, wrote a forward that I just, I think, I think I probably cried when I read the forward. Oh, I was wow. like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Yay. it. So it was, it was really great. Wow. Um, that really kicked it all off. So mm. it was really, really, I'm very proud of that book. I've had a lot of people tell me that that book uh, really, really helped them. Right. And then your, um, your next one, uh, which is yeah. Jesus Unveiled. Which one is it? The next oh, one? Oh, no, no. So the second one was Jesus Sorry. Unbound. And Unbound. what I did, the reason I wrote that one second, there's a, um, I think the second chapter of, of Jesus Untangled, mm-hmm. even though it's about politics and faith, in the second chapter, I took a moment to sort of explain um, a shift in perspective of the mm-hmm. way I look at the Bible mm-hmm. and how that shift in perspective helped me to kind of untangle my faith from politics, to kind of really focus on Jesus more. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's called, it's switching from a flat Bible perspective to a Jesus-centric perspective. So I really just made it a little chapter in Jesus Untangled. Mm-hmm. But I really, I got so much feedback from people right. who read Untangled. They were like, oh my gosh, that chapter about a, a different way of looking at the Bible was so helpful. Right. But they also had questions about it. So I really right. felt like, well, I want to, I want to write a whole book kind of on expanding that second chapter on Untangled mm-hmm. about how to approach the scriptures. So that's when I wrote the book on Unba- Jesus Unbound. Um, the subtitle is Liberating the Word of God from the Bible. I love it. Uh, Brian Zahn wrote the forward to that. And Yay, again, really love blessed, him. really blessed that he did that. And so it really, that book is just a way of recognizing, I think a lot of, a lot of the trouble that Christians have in America with sort of misunderstanding Jesus and misunderstanding what it's supposed to be about. I think it, I think I could almost say that uh, one of the foundational problems is the way we look it's at scripture. And if you yeah. look at it from a flat Bible perspective, um, you're going to, it's actually going to be harder for you. It's, it's much more challenging to make sense. Oh, you have to jerry-rig things together. You have to duct tape it together and slap Daniel over here and stick it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And I twisted myself into pretzels for years trying to, because again, the assumption is supposed to be, oh no, it all agrees and it all makes sense and it all says Mm -hmm. the same thing. Well, well, I'm reading it and I'm going, well, no, it kind of doesn't. Like over here, someone says this, but over here, someone says something different. How do I, what do I do about that? Right. So the, um, Taking the Jesus-centric perspective on Scripture, which, by the way, um, and I show in the book, uh, I'm convinced is what is how Jesus and Paul and the early church read the Scripture, mm-hmm. encouraged us to read the Scripture, which right. was through the lens of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's what I demonstrate there in the book. I also talk about in that book um, how do we define inspiration? I think that's also one of the challenges. Oh, nice. um, mm-hmm. So, for example, like we always point to you know, 1 Timothy 3, uh, 16 about how Paul says, uh, or if Paul wrote Timothy, that's another question. But assuming Paul wrote Timothy, um, uh, the author of 1 Timothy says, all scripture is God breathed mm-hmm. and useful, you know, for instruction and training and righteousness, etc. Well, the shocking thing I learned was that um, if you go and look at the Greek translation of that of that verse, 
the Greek word for scripture does not appear anywhere in that verse. Oh, so it does not say, it should not say in your English Bible, all scripture, scripture. is not Greek because the word scripture isn't in there. Interesting. So what it, what it actually says is all of the God breathed writings, because instead of the oh. word scripture, it's the Greek word, the common word for graph, it's called graphis. Graphis. And writings. it's the common word for just writings in general. Right. So oh, what wow. it really says is all, all God breathed writings are useful wow. for training and instruction and righteousness. So, so if it's that's not God breathed, it's not useful for that's exactly and instruction right. and righteousness. That's okay. exactly right. It's Ooh. actually a more expansive way of looking at things and saying that um, God, God breathed writings or God breathed anything mm-hmm. um, can be the way you determine what that is, is to is to ask the question, is it useful for training and instruction and in righteousness? Is right. it is does it help me? In my, as I'm following Jesus. And if so, guess what? It's God breathed. It's inspired. Right. And so, uh, it's, 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 it actually bears fruit. The Bible. Yes. Yeah. It's Good, just or, fr- or fruit you want. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. So okay. that's, um, and so, so again, like I said earlier, you don't have to read my books in any sequential order, mm-hmm. but I do recommend to people, if you haven't read any of them yet and you want to know where to start, I do recommend starting with Jesus Unbound nice. because I think it is such a foundational mm-hmm. way of approaching scripture mm-hmm. that if you get that, if you can really grasp this Jesus centric way of looking at scripture, mm-hmm. all the other books in the series will make a whole Makes lot more sense, sense to you. You'll be like, okay, I get it. That's so great. And I, I love, I love the way you value scripture. I think people in their deconstruction mode, so many people gotten so disgusted with it because yeah. it hasn't, has been approached in this way. They just, you know, turf it all together. And, you know, yeah. there's a lot of bathwater, but there's gorgeous baby. We've got to like grapple <laughs> with the baby and hold on to the baby and, you know, all yeah. that. And we need the baby. And so I love yes. that. So thank you for doing that. What's your next, what was your next in the series? Yeah. So the next one in the series, um, is called Jesus Unveiled, uh, Forsaking Church as We Know It for Ecclesia as God Intended. Um, my dear friend Richard Jacobson wrote the forward to that. He wrote a really great book called Unchurching. Um, if you, anyone, no one's read that book. Great book. Really you should read that book too. Um, and so Jesus Unveiled was, um, well, essentially, it's a story of the house church that we started. So you read in my bio how I left the pulpit to start yeah. a church that gives away everything to the poor in the community and no one takes a salary and all that. So Jesus Unveiled is really the story of what that was like, mm-hmm. what we learned, mostly amazing. by making a lot of mistakes um, about how to gather. <laughs> Isn't that how it is, right? <laughs> That's exactly how it works. Um, and, um, but you know, that there's some really useful things in there. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I tried to do as well. So there's a lot of books that are, that are I think, are great books on um, sort of this sort of organic, house simple church, church house yeah. church sort of mm-hmm. model, New Testament church model, how different terminology is used for this, uh, you know, kind of way of gathering together. Um, and they're great books like Pagan Christianity mm-hmm. or, like I said, Richard Jacobson's book on churching is great. There's a ton of great books. Neil, Neil Cole has a great book called Organic Church. Uh, Wilking Simpson has a great book uh, called Houses That Change the World. There's a lot of great books if you're curious about this topic. But what I felt like was missing um, is that there really none of those books, and, and I'm not aware of any other books, that really just say, here's how you do this. I, I haven't seen it. I, that is so practical. I, I yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I really did want to say like, you know, so the first half of the book is sort of like sort of the why mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, kind of basing it on scripture or in church history, why I feel like this is the, the model that I think works and makes sense. Uh, I think it's, I think it's what Jesus and Paul had in mind. 
But, um, but then the second half of the book really is here's, if you are wanting to start one, here's how to do it. And again, like I said, I don't feel like anybody else had done that up to that point. And, um, so and yeah, here are the mistakes I made that I recommend you don't make. I love that. <laughs> you know, that's exactly Thank what you. it is. Please don't do this. Here's yes. what I learned. And don't yes. do it. You know, learn from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's what that book is about. Unveiled. Wow. Um, now, are you are you still doing a house church now? Well, so yeah, we did we did that for 11 years in Southern mm-hmm. California. We moved to Boise, Idaho. After that, we lived there for a year, and we actually did start one in Idaho as well. It was wonderful. Um, we moved to El Paso about two years ago and, um, then COVID hit almost immediately. So, uh, we just haven't, we have, we are still intending to do that, but we mm-hmm. just haven't been able to do that. Um, well, I can't so imagine far, what we're why. Doing is, yeah. <laughs> um, we're hoping we're still going to be able to, to do that eventually. But we, right now what we've been doing is been doing a lot of things online. So yeah, it's sort of, um, I still prefer face to face meetings, mm-hmm. but, um, you can actually have pretty productive Zoom. Uh, gatherings as well. So that's, that's, that's been been kind of like holding a stopgap, I guess, Mm -hmm. for now until we can meet face to face again. Sure. I love that. Thank you. Um, and that, that's encouraging for so many people because that's a bit, such a big issue. Um, and your next one was was, uh, Jesus undefeated. Oh, yay. Okay. Um, Yeah. Condemning, condemning the false doctrine of eternal torment. Brad Jerzak wrote the forward to that one. A perfect, um, perfect pairing for that. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I specifically wanted Brad to write the forward. <laughs> Fine, Brad. His, Brad, it's about hell. Help me out here. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, his um his book, uh, Her Gates Will Never Be Shut, Love that uh, book. was such, that was probably a really pivotal thing for me personally. Like, yeah. When I read that book, I remember reading it on the train. I used to I used to commute to work uh, back and forth and taking the train every day. And I was, remember reading that book on the train. And when I got to that final chapter, I was in tears. Um, yeah. It was just like, it, I'm I, just crying in public <laughs> as I'm like going, wow, God, what if you're better than I think you are? Like, what, what if I'm really going to, I'm going to die and wake up in, in, in your presence and be even more astounded that, oh yeah. God, you're, you're better than I thought. Wow. Um, it was just beautiful. So um, Truly. I, uh, I wrote the book. This is one of the books that I wrote in the series that I really never intended to write, to be honest. Uh, my publisher had approached me a year earlier and asked me if I would write a book on, on the doctrine of, of hell. Mm-hmm. And at the time I said, well, no, I don't think I, I don't think I'm the person to do that. I said, honestly, I think if I did, I'd probably end up quoting my friend Richard Murray, who I think is <laughs> phenomenal brilliant. on this topic. He's, mm-hmm. He has done so much great work on this already. Uh, when it comes to studying, uh, the early church and, you know, mm-hmm. like apocatastasis, the early Christian church's perspective on this. I mean, he was my go-to guy for any questions on that topic. So great. And so I said, you know, maybe ask Richard to do it. So I guess, um, a year went by and Richard was not able or willing or interested at, or in writing that book, um, at that time. And so he came back, my publisher came back to me and said, Keith, I still think you need to write this book. <laughs> so I still wasn't convinced, but you know what I did? I just kind of like, Almost to kind of like, I don't know, but I don't want to say like to shut him up, but I was sort of like, well, let me just show you why I don't think I should do this. Kind of, <laughs> let me give like, you a of, stab that'll just annoy you and maybe you'll let me off the hook. <laughs> well, I, I, it, he, he put the idea in my head and I kind of just sort of outlined like, okay, if I was going to write this book that I'm not going to write, um, <laughs> how would I do it? And I just sort of, once I outlined it, I kind mm-hmm. of uh, like chapter one, I'd say this and chapter two, I'd talk about that. And chapter three, I'd talk about You're this. You're halfway home. <laughs> oh, I was like, once I saw the outline, I was like, okay, 
I'm going to write this book. There we go. And, um, and I'm Trust really glad that I did. Yeah. Because it's probably been one of the most successful ones I've done. I've gotten more feedback probably from that book than anything else. Nice. So many people wrestle with this idea of how, of eternal conscious torment and, um, mm. and, and are unaware of the fact that not only does the Old Testament never ever mention that mm-hmm. doctrine, mm-hmm. um, you know, it crept into, it crept into Christianity through like pagan sources, Egyptian right. sources. Right. Um, Jesus really never mentions it, even though we're told, right. oh, I know we, we're told he does, but yes, yes, but he really doesn't. And what mm-hmm. he's talking about isn't about where anybody goes after they die and right. all that. Um, and then, you know, the shocking thing about how, you know, Christianity for the first 400 years easily, some mm-hmm. people say 500, but I'll, I'll just say conservatively, the first 400 years of church history, the dominant view of Christianity was universal reconciliation. Right. And I was like, what? Like, these are the kind of things right. that when you, you realize these things, it's like, well, wow, how did we end up where we are today? Right. And how did that so, pitch you into the happy heretic hour right there? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Just yeah. connecting the dot right there. So I'm going to keep yes. going. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I was, I was really excited to write that book and yeah. show from scripture, from church history, uh, looking at there, uh, there are three sort of quote unquote Christian doctrines, biblically based, all three of them, biblically, mm-hmm. biblically based doctrines of hell, annihilation, mm-hmm. eternal torment, and universalism. Mm-hmm. But of those three, I think universal reconciliation has the most and the strongest mm-hmm. evidence and historically mm-hmm. was what the church believed. Right. And um, anyway, so I, I, that book is one that I'm really proud of. A lot of people have said it's really helped them kind of let go of that idea that God is going to roast people in for eternity and all that. It's really hard to um, to trust a God who is that capacity. Yeah. You know, yeah. to really feel yeah. safe with a God that has that capacity, um, yes. and, yeah. and, and that, that motive. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember even as I was writing the book, you know, somebody, somebody said to me like, well, Keith, what if you're wrong? Uh, what if God really is like wrathful and what if he really is going to burn people for eternity? And I was, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any evidence that that's the case, but I was like, okay, let me just entertain the possibility for a second. Right. So let's say I die. Right. And I go to heaven and it turns out God really is like wrathful and angry and he's going to burn people for eternity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly think what I would say is I would say to that God, I'm sorry. My greatest sin was that I told people you were better than you really are. Yeah. You're more loving than you really are. <laughs> and it turns out I'm a better father God than that you love. are. And, oh my goodness. Yes. And the thing is, once I start thinking that way, I realized that's impossible. That could never happen. How right. could I ever say to God? I thought you were better than you were. I mean, right. right? God is God's love is higher and greater and longer There's and deeper. No shadow of light. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's like, no, I don't think that is the case. But like, to your point, though, you know, let's suppose again that mm-hmm. that is what God is like. And even mm-hmm. if that God said to me, "Hey, Keith, you know what? I am going to send some people for et- uh, hell for eternity." But you know, Keith, I like you. I think you're cool. You can sit with me. You come up here with me, and you're going to be fine. You let's just. But you know, well, by the way, your best friend. He's going to burn in hell, yeah. and your grandfather, Bummer and for your you. son, mm-hmm. yeah, and your oldest son, and uh, you know these some other people that you really care about. They're going right. to burn forever, but right. not you. I'd right. be like, you know what? I don't want to be. I don't want to spend eternity right. with a God like You're that. You're not nice. <laughs> well, at some point, he's just going to say, you know, Keith, right. I don't like you anymore. Right? You annoy me. You know. So there you go. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a crazy way to think about. Who God is, and it's certainly not the God that Jesus reveals well, to us. And, and it's not the gospel that it's preached, no. right? And I, I think a lot of people are afraid that if you don't preach hell, you're going there. And, um, and, uh, yeah. yeah. So excellent. Love it. <laughs> what was your next, uh, 
your next yeah the next one work the series um and it's funny because these two topics are extremely related in fact if you read if you read um undefeated which is about the doctrine of eternal torment or doctrine of hell um the next book is jesus unexpected ending the end times to become the second coming baxter kruger wrote the forward to that one. Oh, most excellent mm-hmm. yeah i love baxter What's funny is both the doctrine of eternal torment and a lot of the teachings that we have now really came from John Nelson Darby right. uh, in the 1830s. I mean, 1830s, uh, that, that was five uh, minutes ago, you know. Right. So yes. I'm sorry, keep going. Very, very recent. <laughs> right. Um, not, not something that, see, most of us are taught this idea of the end times rapture as if it came to, it was handed to us by the apostles. Right. You know? Um, and when you find out, no, it wasn't. And for 1,830 years, Christians didn't think this way mm-hmm. about, you know, those passages. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, you start noticing, um, that they're dealing with some of the same scripture. So right. it all boils down to both, both the hell doctrine and the end times rapture doctrine mm-hmm. and the mis, the, how they're misunderstood, mm-hmm. uh, kind of boil down to a misunderstanding of apocalyptic hyperbole. Yes. So Jesus in Matthew 24, also Revelation. It's borrowing this sort of language from the Old Testament prophets, mm-hmm. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Amos, Ezekiel, all these guys. Um, and they use this language all the time, usually mm-hmm. when they're prophesying, you know, some sort of doom or destruction that's going to come on Babylon or Edom or Egypt right. or even Jerusalem. Right. And they'll use this kind of language. Mm-hmm. They'll talk about the sky being rolled up like a scroll mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. stars falling from the sky and the sun not giving its light and the moon turning to blood and earthquakes and fire from heaven and hailstones so they use that language but what mm-hmm. but it's and it's really about something that's bad that's going to happen mm-hmm. but it's not fulfilled literally that Once way again it's, it's not a when, flat reading of the bible <laughs> yes exactly yes. so um it's fulfilled when like an, another army invades them and takes them captive and mm-hmm. you know all that stuff so when jesus uses this language in matthew 24 uh, the exact same language mm-hmm. um he's he's not talking literally right. he's he's using the same metaphors his audience understands yes. all they all this literature this way of speaking the idioms all of that imagery that's right for what it is yeah that's mm-hmm. right they know exactly what it is mm-hmm. excuse me so um so in jesus unexpected i talk about john nelson darby how he kind of uh tricked us into buying into this story he invented in the 1830s and um so the first half of the book is probably just dispensing with Darby and, and how he, how he came up with this, mm-hmm. uh, the scriptures that he bases his, his dispensational theology on and, mm-hmm. and how they're not saying at all what he, he wants us Thanks. to think Thanks. and say. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of the book, and this is my favorite part, um, is, is showing that, and this is my, I'm really more and more convinced of this, that the, the second coming of Jesus that's talked about in, in the New Testament, I really believe it's fulfilled in us, in the body of Christ. Wow. We, it's why Paul uses that that metaphor of saying, speaking of the church, that mm-hmm. we are the body of Christ in the world today. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is already physically in the world right now in us. We are the hands and the feet right. of, the, of the body of Christ. And I say, you know, like there's, there's more of Christ in the world today than there was 2000 years ago. So Christ has been coming into the world since mm-hmm. Pentecost. If you want to think of it that way, right. when God poured out yeah. his spirit on all, all flesh, flesh, men and women, young and old, so that now, in fact, it's also the fulfillment of the new covenant. The new covenant promises, I will be your God and you will be my people. And no one will say to their neighbor, know the Lord, because they will all know me. Jesus says, you know, the father and I will come and make our home in you. So where is Jesus? He's not up in heaven. He's 
he's in us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he has come. In fact, he promises never to leave us and never to forsake us. So he'd have so, to leave um, and come back. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so he is coming back. <laughs> yes, he has right. come back and he's, mm-hmm. he's as close as my own heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the reason why I think this is important for us to, to grasp this concept is that the, the, the old way of thinking about the, the second coming of Christ forces us in this holding pattern where we are waiting for Jesus to come and fix everything. Right. right. Whereas what Paul talks about in Romans, he says all creation is groaning and yearning for something to happen. And guess what? It's not the second coming of Jesus. What Paul says is this, all creation is groaning and yearning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. It's for us to wake up and realize Christ is already alive in us. And again, we are, if we abide in Christ, he abides in us. And we are invited into the story of Jesus saying, behold, I am making all things new. Yes. He does that through us being active and participating with what he's doing in the world right now, that's not right. what he's going to do tomorrow or well, and that's And it's that manifestation of the sons and daughters of God that yes. releases creation from its bondage, not Jesus coming back and kicking butt or wave, waving wands or whatever he's supposed to be right. doing. Right. Yeah. And in a way you could say, I mean, in a way it is through Jesus coming back. It's just that it's how he's coming back. Right. He's coming mm-hmm. back in, in, a, in the in body his, of Christ, in, in his, his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, we embody, in other words, another way of thinking of it, and this, this might sound heretical to people when you first hear it, if this is new to you, but the idea that, you know, we are now the incarnation of Christ in the world. That's the plan. That's because Jesus was the first fruits and now we are, you know, following, you know, he was yeah. crucified. We were crucified with him. He was raised. We are now raised, raised with, him. with him. Uh, he was ascended to the father. Uh, we are now seated with him in heavenly places. So what's true of Christ is not true of us. And mm-hmm. so now we are Christ in the world today. We mm-hmm. are the incarnation of Christ in the world today. And that's not to say like, oh, look at me. I'm perfect and amazing. It's just to say we have the same mission Christ had, Jesus had when he was here the first time. We're continuing the work that he set in motion. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can mm-hmm. get wrap our Empowered heads by that, him, right? Yes, of So course. we're not doing yes. it apart from him in and of no. ourselves. We're not God but we're, right. he's flowing through us, right? And so That's we're, right. right, this is how, this is how he moves now. He's not That's waging right. magic, waving magic, mo- Boom, there you go. That's right, right. Yeah. That's why mm-hmm. he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do so yeah, nothing. it's absolutely mm-hmm. through him. Absolutely. Um, but it's 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 through his power, but it's Christ through us. Absolutely. So, Isn't that you know, beautiful? What an honor. Thing. I mean, isn't that amazing? This is such yeah. an honor, such a partnership. Absolutely. I love it. That's exciting. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. All so, right. Uh, we're, we're going down the list here. So yes. next. The, next one, the next one of the series is Jesus Unforsaken, mm-hmm. Substituting Divine Wrath with Unrelenting Love. Uh, Brooksy Cavey wrote the forward to that. Um, th- this was probably the hardest one to write, I would just say. It's dealing with the cross, the atonement. Um, yeah. Initially, similar to the, some of the previous books, probably like the first half of the book is sort of dispensing with the the main story that we're all told about the atonement, which is penal substitutionary atonement theory. Right. Oh, you got to um, get past that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, well, you know, the frustrating thing for me is that uh, so many Christians, and I've debated them, and I run into them all the time. I'm constantly being, running into Christians who have been told, and I believe they believe it because right. they've been told this over right. and over again. Right. They it's believe the that penal substitutionary atonement theory is the gospel. Yep. And, and I, what I want to point out is that's impossible because penal substitution didn't show up until the 1500s. So unless Jesus waited 
to give us the gospel. <laughs> like he didn't give Until it to 1500s. us. Just hold it, yeah. hold it in, hold it in. I'm he's coming. 1500s. Yeah. And this, this John Calvin's going to figure it out. Right. And then he's going to tell you what the gospel is in the 1500s. That's just right. nonsense. Right. Um, the other thing is that penal substitution is an atonement theory, but it's one of many atonement theories. Right. It's like the seventh one that shows up in church history. So that means there's six other atonement theories. You did such a good job outlining that. I just, uh, yeah, that's so great. Yeah. yeah thank you. So helpful. So I, I think it's really helpful again, you know, for Christians to just know these things. These are just, again, these are my opinions. I'm showing you, these are facts. You go study church history. This is exactly what happened. And hopefully it helps us rethink uh, what the gospel is and how we approach the cross. And then again, in the second half of the book, I'm wanting to give us a, a new way of thinking about the cross. That, you know, on the cross, it's not that God sacrifices himself to himself to save us from himself, which is what penal substitution says. But it's more like what Paul says in Second Corinthians, God was in Christ, not counting our sins against us, but reconciling the world to himself. Um, and there's so much more going on there, I think, um, with the cross. And so I think it's something, again, the reason why there's seven different atonement theories throughout church history is that the cross is a difficult thing for us to make sense of. You know, so many people over the centuries did their best to think about the cross and to understand what was going on at the cross. What, right. what was the death of Jesus? And why did it have why to happen? Why did he have and, to die? Why did he have to have a violent death? Yeah. Right. What did it accomplish and all that? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what that book deals with. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I feel like I can give some better, some more hopeful answers to those questions that uh, allow us to really, again, as we were saying, embody Christ in the world mm-hmm. today. And I mean, what's so beautiful about that too is it helps unveil God. I don't mean to mess with your other title, <laughs> but it helps to unveil him in a way that he actually looks like love, just integrous across, yeah. across the Trinity. <laughs> yes. um, the cr- Trinity is not at odds with themselves. Um, yeah. And, and then also just his heart, his yeah. heart. And then also what it does is that unveils the human heart, which yeah. uh, we have issues. I don't know if you've yes. noticed, but we have, yeah. <laughs> yes. and um, and our <laughs> wrath and our our things that right. God has to dive in, and we actually do really need a, a savior. We actually really do. Um, yeah, that's and, great, Catherine. And you're right. See mm-hmm. that you're right. The, if if that, that's one of the most powerful things I think the cross accomplishes is that one, it shows us God's heart. Mm-hmm. It shows it's 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 God saying, "Hey, I'm not going to use. I have ultimate power." No one has more power than God. And right. yet, you know, I'm not, God, God lets go of that power. Philippians chapter two, right? Right. Um, God, Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He emptied himself. Mm-hmm. He became uh, uh, nothing. He became a servant. And in fact, what he does is he gives us power over him mm-hmm. and says, do your worst. Isn't to me. that Beat amazing? Me, torture <sighs> me and I'll still love you. Right. And so now, now do you trust me that I, that right. I, I only have your best interest in mind? Yeah. I'm not a wrathful, angry God. I right. love you so much. I would rather die than live without you. And so the cross shows that heart of God, which yeah. is beautiful. But like you said, it also shows the ugly side of ourselves. It shines a light on, like when we look at this innocent, beautiful son of God tortured on the cross, mm-hmm. what we see is what we, we did that. Right. We, we did that. Right. There's something in us that, that, that constantly does that to innocent people. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, we scapegoat them. We, we make them suffer for things they didn't do right. to make ourselves feel better. We dehumanize so, them. 
you know, yeah. Yeah. So I, that's sort of the, the duality of the cross, the, the beautiful side of, of Christ, of, of the heart of God, and also exposing the parts in us that need to be healed. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing is there's no condemnation in that revelation. Yes, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. aren't you glad? I'm, I thank you, yeah. Jesus. Like, I help me, and I'm glad you don't condemn me where I need help, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> and, and Jesus shows us the way, the path, kind of like, for the first time, I think, Jesus shows us how we overcome those kind of internal struggles that we have. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Might, we might just have to fall in love with him all over again. Might just have to do that. That's uh, right. <laughs> um, okay. And your next is? Yeah, the final one of the series. It just came out a few weeks ago. Um, this one, uh, John Fuglesang, who you mentioned, wrote the forward to this. He's, uh, if you don't know who he is, he's kind of an odd choice because he's the only one who's not sort of um, a theologian. Or uh, uh, an author of sort of, you know, books on theology. Um, but he is somebody that uh, I've gotten to know him over the years. I think I, I really appreciate a lot of what he has to say. He's actually kind of a comedian. Uh, he, he Believe it or not, he and Daisy Fuentes co-hosted America's Funniest Home Videos like 10 years ago. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, fabulous. Uh, you remember that. If anyone remembers that far back. I, I remember uh, the videos. I'm not sure I remember him or maybe he was there and I just, you know, whatever, but yeah. yeah. Uh, it was <laughs> a short lived. It was only one season. I think okay. that he did that, but, um, that's quite a thing to put on your resume though. <laughs> it is. Yes. I, I, at one point he hosted America's Funniest Home Videos. Yes. Uh, he also has a serious XM radio show called tell me everything. And, um, he's just a really interesting guy. And he, but he is someone who, who was raised in a Christian home. And I think he really understands Jesus in a, in a really powerful, practical way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was really, really blessed that he wrote the forward to this. Um, so Jesus unarmed, uh, is the name of the book, how the Prince of Peace disarms our violence. Um, again, this was, this was another of the books in the series that my publisher pretty much insisted that I had to write. Um, <laughs> and now you're like, okay, all right. I found out last. Okay. I'll just do it. <laughs> right. I'll just now, now I'll take, okay. I believe you. I'll just take, I won't argue anymore. Um, because you know, this is something where I honestly have been, um, talking about Jesus and following him into nonviolence and enemy love for over 20 years now. And, um, to be honest, it's something I'm really, tired of. I, I, there, I, there's a genuine fatigue of like every time I find myself in a conversation with another Christian. And by the way, it's always Christians oh, who push back yeah. on this, who always argue with me that Jesus right. is nonviolent or wants us to love our enemies. Right. Um, but so it's like, you know, I, I've just done it so many times. It's like, I can't, I, I know all the objections. Right. I know all the scriptures are going right. to pull out. I know all the hypothetical situations are going to bring up. Right. Um, and so I'm, part of me is just like, ah, really? Do I have to do this again? Okay, I have to do it again. But, um, but my, but my publisher was right. He was like, you know, Keith, you, you need to write a book. You, you know, you, you need right. to put all this down in a book. And if nothing else, now once it's in a book, you can just say, just read my go book. there. Yeah. Don't argue with me. Just go there. Yeah. Otherwise I don't want to hear from you. I'm not yeah, going to respond. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, so, uh, what I really, I'm, I'm in the middle of it, but it is, it is a, um, it is so helpful because it really exposes. I, I'm, I'm someone I lean into the exposure. Not that I enjoy seeing the ugly in me, but I, I, because I want the ugly gone. And that, right. you know, it's like Paul Young says, the unexposed is the unhealed. And so, um, so I, and so it is a, it is a grapple, like loving our enemies. And then, you know, what does that, what does that mean practically? How do we walk that out? And how are the ways that we're not loving our enemies? And That's we're right. trying to find the, the loophole to love your enemies, loop, yeah. love your enemies, accept. Right. <laughs> and right. dang it, there was no addendum. There was no, it was just there. 
Yes. We all get nailed. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And see, this is the thing too. And I, I hope, I hope as you're reading it and as anyone who's reading that book, Jesus Unarmed, and probably I could say this, so maybe of all the books, um, you know, it really is meant to be more of an introspective thing. Like it, this is really just like to take time and examine our own hearts. Like, where am I in this? And, mm-hmm. and Jesus, am I really following you in this? Um, it's not in a way like, I, I don't want you to read it like Keith is condemning me of something. No. Because uh, I've already gone through this myself, right. my own, and I still do it. I still go through my sure. own introspection of this. So hopefully what it is, is just a chance to sit sit with Jesus and sit with some of these scriptures that we look, we're looking at in the book and just kind of doing a self-reflection with, with the Holy Spirit and saying, you know, are there places in my heart I need? I still need this transformation. We're all in this process of being transformed in the image of Christ. And we all run up into these oper- these situations where like, wow. I still have a place to grow here. I still, I still, Christ is not fully formed in me yet, but there's still hope, right? Right. As long as I'm willing to let the Holy Spirit deal with me on these, uh, these kind of questions. Um, and it's not something again that's condemning. Like I, I made a point in the book to go through, uh, just sort of a what about or questions that people have. Right. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. things like, what if, what if I'm in the military or what if I used to be or what if my, my parents or my son or my daughter, what if they're a police officer or they're in the military? Like, are they sinners and are they condemned? Like, no, right. no one's condemned. That's not what this is about. Right. Um, I, I just really want, um, us, I, I feel like we as, if we're, if we're going to say I'm following Jesus, we all have to like just ask ourselves, am I right. following Jesus sure. in these ways? And, sure. and, and again, that's a very personal thing. And I can't tell you the answers to those questions. And I don't let right. me do it. Don't say, well, right. he said, it. Right. um, you know, if we genuinely just, Pray about it. And I'll even leave it open. Hey, maybe you, maybe you go to the Lord and you, you ask him these things and, and he says to you something different than he would say to me. Right. Look, that's you and him. That's not, right. I, I don't want to jump in there. Well, he's so, the one that gets I, to conform us. Right. But absolutely. But I, I agree. I, I love the grapple. I, I just, I, I love that stuff because, because yeah. I, I, because I grow. Yes. So I appreciate it. Like, and, and so, but it, it's, I mean, it's not a, it's not an easy peasy. Um, and no. you're not giving us the answers. No one's getting spoon fed. That's right. Um, you really have to grapple it out, but this is where we grow. And this is also where we learn so much about the Lord is where we're grappling with him in the places that don't look like him. Right. That's right. And, um, and that's where we, we grow in our relationship and our intimacy and our ability to trust and our ability to, to in a healthy way, just trust ourselves. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, we're not, he's not, there's no condemnation, That's but right. we do recognize he's smarter than we are, I hope. <laughs> and, That's right. right. And so there, there's a healthy level of distrust, even while we're adored in the places that don't look like him. That's right. Right. I mean, he doesn't yeah. adore the ugliness, but he adores us in the ugliness. That's right. And that makes it safe to expose the ugliness so that it can be healed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is, you know, again, I, I think, I think an, a thread that would run through all of my books is this idea that the gospel isn't about information, but it's about transformation. Thank you, and, um, and what we're, what you're talking about is like really understanding the transformational piece of it. And the transformation doesn't happen without that being vulnerable mm-hmm. to God, to ourselves. Yeah being honest about those things that the places we still need to grow. And I, I love what you said about, um, you know, how there's no condemnation that absolutely. And so the same way a loving parent, you know, you love your child, your child, no matter what, 
They yeah. do. They can do the most horrible thing and they're still your child and you love them the same. Of course. Now, if you're you a healthy grieve, parent. <laughs> yeah, you would yeah. you would grieve over yeah. their their the choices they make that sure. are mistakes that they make or you know, if they do something horrible. So but it doesn't change your, your love for them. Right. And the, the the difference with of course is that we have a heavenly father that's exactly the way our heavenly father sees us and loves us, accepts us completely, loves us completely, yeah. grieves over the choices we make that hurt us and hurt others, mm-hmm. but at the same time and unlike us, has the ability to heal us, has the ability to transform us, knows how to help us heal us and lead us to a place where Christ is revealed in us. And so that's that beautiful peace that God is committed to, right? Behold, I am making all things new. And that's great. And he's he's relentless. He loves us too much to leave us where we're at. That's right. Right. And so, you know, the fastest way is through just lean into it (laughs) and let him do that work and partner with him in it and grapple with it. Um, It takes courage. It takes bravery to do that. And then it takes a willingness to examine things that we thought were settled. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, it's, it's whatever, but um, that's, that is beautiful. Are you working on another un? (laughs) Well, no, I'm not. So I, I am working on another book. Okay. Um, so I, I just need to make sure I clarify that. So when I say this is the final book in the Jesus Un series, I'm not finished writing. I don't know that I could stop writing. Right. Uh, so I will continue to write books. I'm already working on the next book. Um, I'm like on the second chapter at this point. Um, so if I'm on pace, uh, hopefully this, the next book will be available maybe, uh, the first couple of months of next year. That would be wonderful. That is but, so great. You just cough these things out, lay hands on me. That's awesome. <laughs> just go get down to your bad self. I think it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, uh, I just, I love writing and, and for the last couple of years, this is yeah. what I do full time now. I'm really yeah. blessed that I've been able to move into it full time. Yeah. I, I just, I love being able to wake up in the morning and whether I write a blog post or do a podcast or, you know, set off some time to, to write my book. Um, I get to do the things that, not just the things that I love to do, but I guess what gives me joy in doing it is when I do get feedback from people that, hey, Keith, I read your book and this really right. helped me. It's something right. free. Uh, it showed me something I hadn't seen before. Or sometimes what they'll say is, you're, the things you wrote about confirmed something I already thought, but, right. but I didn't know how to put it into words. Or, right. or nobody else around me was saying this, so I thought I was the only one. But then I read your book and I'm like, oh, wow. I had this in my heart, but I had too. no idea how to make it scriptural, right? What the scriptural underpinnings for what I already yeah, kind of knew yeah. or yeah. whatever. Yeah, or the, even the logic to express it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. That is yeah. what a what a gift. Thank you for thank you for all these gifts and thank you for you as a gift. So um so future plans are you doing are I know you've been doing some conferences and things and do you have something coming up? Well, yes, okay. I'll tell you I got a couple of things coming up. So yeah, I'm doing a uh December third. Um I'm hosting a free webinar. It's called Safe Space. And, um, so it's free. It'll be Friday evening, December 3rd, around 6 p.m. Mountain time. Nice. Uh, and so I can share the link if you want, uh, to share that with people. So what it, what that is, is, uh, what I recognize is, you know, I, I do a lot of things to help people. I do podcasts. I do that square one course you mentioned, right? Which is this 90 day, 12 week course that I offer to people that helps people go from deconstruction to reconstruction. How refreshing. uh, Yeah. And I love doing that, but you know, as somebody pointed out to me in the square one group, we were talking and they said, you know, Keith, think about this. There's probably hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people who are deconstructing in the world right now. And how many of them would be like, yeah, I'm going to take a 90 day, 12 week course. And I was like, you know what? You're right. 
um, that may be too high a bar for, mm-hmm. for a lot of those people. Sure. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, I want to do this safe space thing. That's where the idea came from. Let's just do a free webinar. Everybody can join. It doesn't cost anything. And we can still give people some hope and some help and some direction and some guidance. We can give them some resources. I'm going to give everybody who attends a free copy of a book, uh, choir published that I edited called Before You Lose Your Mind, which was a direct, a book we wrote specifically to respond to the Gospel Coalition's book, Before You Lose Your Faith, which is a horrible book about deconstruction. So we wanted to write one that was like uh, by people who actually- You mean you can deconstruct and hold on to your faith? Just kidding. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Just thought I'd so uh, we, uh, <laughs> we. So anyway, everybody who attends uh, the Safe Space will get a free copy of that uh, mm-hmm. PDF copy of that book. And I just wanted to be able again to uh, create a community and a safe space for people that are struggling through deconstruction, really don't know yeah. what to do, mm-hmm. and um, and don't, you know you shouldn't have to like sign up for a course to get the kind of help you need. So I'm excited about that. That'll be nice. coming up December third. And then I have an event coming up in March in Nashville called Awaken 2022. Uh, that'll be myself, Jim Palmer, Derek Webb, Michelle Collins, December Rose, Brandon Dragon, and Todd Vick. Nice. So that's going to be a jam-packed wow. conference uh, in Nashville, uh, March 18th and uh, 19th. Nice. Well, you got it going on. I, this is awesome. <laughs> and I'm glad, and I'm glad with all this productivity that you're enjoying it and, um, yeah, like having a good time with it in the process. It's really yeah, important. Yeah, I really yeah. am. And I, I appreciate okay. you giving me a chance to talk to some of your audience and yeah. share some of what I've been doing with them. And hopefully some of that resonates with them and, and is a blessing to them. I have, I have no doubt. So, um, so, uh, Keith, if you would give me those links, I'll just stick yep. them in the podcast, give you the information when all of it goes live. And thank you for being on. I, it was a joy. What happened to the hour? <laughs> I know it just flew by. Right. It? <laughs> right. It totally did. And I hope you'll come back on again sometime. Oh, anytime, Catherine. I'd love to. All right. It was a joy. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for joining. Make sure you check out Keith's stuff. Everybody have a fabulous day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.